0: We're going to be looking at Psalm 23 today, which we've sung about. We've listened about sheep and shepherds. We've heard it read to us already. And I would suggest to you that probably most of us are pretty familiar with the 23rd Psalm. If you've been a Christian at all for any length of time in your life, Psalm 23, you could probably recite it from memory today. However, since the Psalm is so familiar, and, and I'm going to suggest to you that there are some scriptures that are so familiar to us that we're sometimes in danger of missing the real depth of that scripture. We need to take even deeper dives than we ever did before. And because the setting is in a world of sheep and shepherds, uh, a lot of people don't really understand it because, you know, sheep are those cute little woolly things and shepherds, we really don't have those anymore. Uh, We have cowboys and horses who are herding steers and stuff like that. But I don't know if you know this, but the Bible refers... um, Us over almost nearly 200 times as sheep. You know that over 200 times we're called sheep. Now, in this psalm we're going to look at today, there are just two main characters, and that's the shepherd and the sheep. But there are three main ideas we're going to look at today. And it's that the shepherd provides. And that's like the first three verses. We're going to take a look at how the shepherd protects in the middle verses four and five. And then we're going to take a look at how the shepherd actually preserves us in our faith in verse six. So let's start with this first main idea about how the shepherd provides. See, God provides for us personally because of who he is. Now, if you think back to the first two words of the psalm, what does it say? The Lord. Now, I don't know if you notice this. If you've got Bibles, Lord is all caps again. L-O-R-D, which is that that great word of Yahweh. The I am who I am. That's what he said to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And see, ordinary Israelites never would even say that word out loud. In fact, the only time that word Yahweh uh, was ever even said out loud, it was done once a year on the Day of Atonement, and it was only pronounced by the high priest who stood in the most holy place of all places within the tabernacle of the temple. But I hope you understand what David is saying, because you can say it too, and that's that He says, the great I am, this Yahweh, is who? He is my, my shepherd. Now, this is very similar, if you remember back when we covered Psalm 8 a couple of weeks back, we did that, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. And because the Lord, this Yahweh, God, is my shepherd, he provides, and he provides how? Now, how does he take care of us? We're a bunch of dumb sheep sitting here today. How does God actually take care of us? Well, let me give you about four ways. First of all, it's just he gives us a certain amount of contentment. Uh, the last part of verse one says, since he is my shepherd and I'm a sheep, I'm not going to lack anything that is necessary and good for me. That's what I shall not want. I don't have any wants. Now, I still remember when I was a teacher in Decatur, Illinois, I had a seventh grade homeroom. And I was teaching religion in the morning and part of a religion class back at the Lutheran School Association of Decatur was memory. Anybody go to school where you had to memorize bible nancy did Nancy, they the only ones who went to school where we were taught this okay we have to memorize scripture and so i I assigned psalm twenty three as memory work memorize psalm twenty eight twenty three uh, when I asked the next day who wanted to recite it, there were a bunch of hands that shot up right away, and I called on one young man and uh, he uh, he got up and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I got all I want. <laughs> now, everybody kind of laughed. I laughed, too. But, you know, uh, he had the words kind of mixed up here. But I think he understood this message perfectly. If the Lord's my shepherd, I got all I want. So if Jesus is your shepherd, everything else is secondary. Now, we can say it this way, if the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. And if I am in want, then I'm not allowing the Lord to be my shepherd. So just the simplicity of verse one, just let that sink in. Uh, you know, what you have in your shepherd, Jesus, is greater than what you don't have in this life. The question is whether you believe that or not. Here's way number two. It's nourishment. He it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, I hope you saw the word there. It's makes, makes. In other words, sometimes God has to put us in what I would call forced rest periods. He puts you flat on your back or still in your chair. It's kind of like when you're assigned to do some preaching and you cannot even think of a single thing you'd want to preach about. You say, well, why don't I use something in the Bible? You can't even think of a single Bible verse to come up with. And so God just kind of puts you in this quiet, just sit down, shut up and rest a while. And I'll talk to you when the time is right. Now, what you need to remember is the shepherd would literally take the sheep and he would fold their legs in such a way that they would be kind of momentarily paralyzed and therefore had to lie down and get their much-needed rest. Now, some of you here, we could probably tell stories, have been made uh, to lie down for a while as a result of, let's say, a broken bone or a health problem or uh, a heartbreak of some kind or a loss. When I was pastoring in Canada, I went in the morning for outpatient gallbladder surgery, and guess what? They accidentally hit a descending aorta. I spent seven days in the hospital. I was flat on my back for a couple of weeks. And I I look back at that and I think, hmm, had I been running too hard and ignoring God? It was a good time to kind of lay there and kind of consider those kinds of things. Well, maybe some of you had something like that. Uh, The shepherd slowed you down for a particular reason. And the best way to get the flock to chill is if you can kind of meet, take care of at least two conditions. One is, protect them from freedom from fear. By nature, sheep are really nervous, they're very skittish, they're fearful. And when sheep know the shepherd is with them, they relax. Uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 43, I think, verse 5, he says, Don't be afraid. Why? I'm with you. Why should I be afraid? God's with me. The second thing is freedom from famine. A hungry sheep is always on its feet. It is always foraging. It's looking for something else to eat all the time. And so the shepherd has to make sure that they're always eating in the places where there are green pastures, where they can can chew on that sweet green grass and chew their cud and lie down on that sweet green grass. But would I be too far out of bounds if I suggest that some of you, some of you, I would include myself in that, we never slow down enough. To really chew on the green grass of God's word. See, we're filled with fear. We're worried about what's happening in Israel. We're worried about what's happening in our country. We're worried what's happening with our families. And we just don't slow down. We've allowed these small and seemingly large frustrations of life to knock us off center. And we end up not ruminating, if you will. Chewing, swallowing, regurgitating, chewing it over again, ruminating on the word of God. And just enjoying the sweetness of that word. After being fully fed, what does he do then? Once they've done all that. Well, he leads me beside quiet waters. Why? Well, because sheep are always kind of on the move. uh, And if you don't, they'll just stand there and they'll eat and eat and eat. Just gorge themselves, make themselves sick. Plus, when you eat enough, you need a little water. And so, sheep by nature are actually afraid of running water. And so, what the shepherd needs to do, if you got a, a stream that's rocketing down the hill, he has to carve out a special place where he can make kind of a placid pool, so the shepherd the sheep could be able to be there. So he had to lead them to good water, because otherwise they'll stop and they will drink from every polluted puddle they can. And if they do that, they're going to pick up parasite after parasite. Now, if you're not in God's water all the time, is it possible that you could actually be drinking out of polluted puddles? You're listening to other stuff. I mean, my gosh, you listen to enough stuff on television, they're not going to tell you the truth. And you kind of go, oh, that might be the truth. I got to consider that. You're drinking from a polluted puddle. See, God has provided so much. Mine comes in the form of 66 books, by the way. So he provides us with so much, and yet we often drink from places that actually harm us. Now, there's another thing. It takes restoration. Verse 3, sheep are careless. Sheep are curious. Sheep are cantankerous. In verse 3, says, he restores my soul. We gotta talk a little bit about restore. I mean, after all, you got that, we got the name of our missional community here. Restore literally means to bring back to a former or normal state to make new. And that's what we do when we do words of brokenness. We acknowledge brokenness so that we can be made new one more time. Confession and absolution. Confession and forgiveness. However you want to phrase that. Now, sheep get lost faster than almost any other animal. Uh, this, this can be serious for a lot of reasons. They can fall down. They can get hurt when they stray from the flock. A uh, predator may uh, pounce on them. Or they may just simply fall over, which they call being cast down. I don't know what horses do. that. they just ever fall over and get cast down? A sheep. A sheep. Horse is smarter than a sheep. I mean, sheep is pretty stupid, actually. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful that God calls you a sheep more than almost 200 times in the Bible? But they get cast down. They literally find themselves. The shepherd finds them flat on their back, all four legs kind of waving in the air. And so, what does he do? He rolls that sheep over, and then he lifts that sheep up, and then he literally straddles that sheep. And he rubs their limbs in order to restore circulation while talking to it very gently. That's a picture of what God does for you and me. He looks for us when we have wandered away from the flock. He sees where we've stumbled. He picks us up when we're flat on our back. And and if you're cast down today in any way uh, or strayed from the flock, you just need to allow the shepherd to do what? To restore your soul. He'll bring you back. He'll put all the pieces back where they belong. Now, there's a fourth way he does this in guidance. In verse 3, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, that's a big church word. Justice, really. He leads me in paths of justice for his namesake. And that word used for path means a well-worn path. It's going to take you back to God's word, which can be a well-worn path if you walk through it regularly. Now, most of us know the right road uh, to take, uh, but our selfishness or our <clears throat> cantankerousness or our sinfulness lead us off the track. We begin wandering in areas where we really don't belong. That's why we need a shepherd to guide us in the right way, uh, because like sheep, we often have no sense of direction at all. If we're not following the shepherd's manual. We're going to follow our own manual. <laughs> And that produces a lot of what I call stinking thinking. If you don't go his way, you will go astray. Well, way number five is he protects us. And here we notice kind of a, a couple of changes in verses one to three. The sheep are in the sunshine. In verse four, suddenly the sheep are in the shadows. God not only provides for us in the good times. And those times are really wonderful. There's no doubt about it. If you've been blessed lately, rejoice over certain things, you've been living in the sunshine. But there are also dark times for every last one of us here at one time or another. Even having one's bride move away for a little while could be a dark time. But we have a pronoun change here. In the first half, David extols the virtues of the shepherd by using he and his. Referring to this Lord, this Yahweh. But when we come to the second heaven, he starts speaking to us directly. He says, you, you are with me, Joel. You are with God. Becky, you are with him. And guess what? Because you're with the shepherd, his rod, his staff, he's going to prepare. He's going to anoint you. Now, when times are tough, God God becomes more real to David. Now, maybe you experienced that. Hard times are not all that bad, if it brings you a little bit closer to God. Promise-keeping God protects us when we face problems, and because of that, there is no need to fear death. Even verse four: Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what the valley of the shadow of death is. We're doing it today. We're walking through it. I've walked through it for 79 years. Some of you have walked a whole lot less. I think I'm probably easily the oldest person here. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but what? I'm not worried. Because I know where I'm going to end up. See, the picture here is of shepherd leading his flock through, let's say, rocky ravines, narrow gorges, Uh, long shadows that would kind of dance across the the path of life, if you will, and it would scare the sheep from time to time. And the shepherd knows from experience that bears and wolves are just out there looking for a lamb chop dinner. Scripture also talks about how the devil is like a roaring lion walking around looking for juicy little restore members. I always used to say juicy little Lutherans. (laughs) Not that they're any juicier than anybody else. But I hope you notice it says we walk what through the valley through it, it doesn't say he leaves us in the valley and then leaves us there. No, he takes us through the valley. We don't have to stay there because through the blackness, through the darkness comes the brightness and through the gloom. We might say there's a certain amount of glory in the shadow of something is so much more ominous than it really kind of is. On the other hand. You know, the shadow of a dog can't bite you in the leg. You ever think about that? might scare you a little bit, but that shadow can't bite you. In the same way, the shadow of death can't harm you if you stay close to the shepherd. Where there's a shadow, there must be a light. And I know the light of the world. How about you? Well, there's also no need to fear any separation. David can deal with death. Because he can say, you're with me. You're my shepherd. You're with me. And Jesus makes that promise. I mean, the book of Hebrews in chapter 13 has a wonderful promise. Verses 5 and 6. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. It's a nice thing to know. Then David says, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Now, the rod was really kind of a small club, had kind of a knob on the end, and he would use that to whack a wolf in the head or a bear or whatever. Uh, he also had a staff a longer stick with a little curly cue on the end of it so that he could, he could sometimes he could use it to poke sheep, but he could also use it to grab a sheep uh, and pull it back to safety. Uh, it was utilized to get them out of a deep crevice they'd fallen into. My first church had a big wooden altar up in the front, and on the top was the shepherd climbing up from a deep ravine, holding this sheep over, and the sheep had a little smile on it. I always thought that was kind of, it was like paint by number Jesus. (laughs) But that altar is now out in the lobby, and I know I was back to do a funeral there this last year, and I remember looking at that again and just reminding myself one more time. I mean, how many times have I ever fallen off a cliff? How many times have I gotten myself where I didn't belong, and the shepherd came along, grabbed me, put me over his shoulder, and said, come on, let's get out of here. Let's take you back where you go. So you don't need to even fear your enemies. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, we could ask that question. Who are our enemies today? Well, David here is using a common expression to describe what a shepherd does. He's preparing a pasture. I think anybody has animals probably has to prepare the pasture to some degree. And the best place for sheep to graze is on flat land. And before letting the lambs do what they do, romp around, the shepherd would inspect that and look for poisonous plants, make sure there were no snakes, no other predators and stuff like that around. Now, the sheep can also eat when there are enemies around. If the shepherd is doing his job. See, enemy can mean to tie up. And there are people who kind of want to tie us up, get us in bondage. It also means to be distressed. What causes distress for you? Uh, They can oppress you. They can can cramp you. Got all that stuff around us. But there's no need to fear all of those problems. Uh, The middle section, verse 5, it just says, you anoint my head with oil. I mean, in the midst of all this, he's anointing us. Now, in ancient Israel, they did this for three different reasons. I think a couple of these at least will apply. One of them is to repel insects. I mean, he rubbed that olive oil on it. just kept the bugs away. The second one was to, pre- to protect them or prevent conflict. And the way this worked was uh, when the male sheep would rant, run to each other and butt their heads uh, trying to win the affection of uh, a female sheep, the shepherd would rub olive oil on their head so they would just only hit glancing blows as they went by. And, of course, the other use for olive oil was to heal the wounds. Oil was used in ointment. They get a lot of wounds, a lot of cuts. Oil prevented uh, infection would speed up healing. So that's what the shepherd's doing for us right now. Dealing with whatever problem we have. I don't know what your problems are. I know what my problems are. I'm happy to listen to your problem, because all I'm going to do is tell you, talk to the shepherd. But he protects us from stuff that would ordinarily wipe us out. Now, the next thing is the shepherd preserves us in a couple of ways. Way number one, God gives us more than we need today. He says, my cup overflows in abundance. Well, this cup, I mean, what is he talking about? This cup. We don't all walk around all day and say, come on, Jesus, fill this cup up or like reaching for you know our coffee. Is, this, is that what that means? Well, the cup has two possible meanings. The shepherd would often carry his own water bag. And sometimes he they were close to water. He would take a cup and he would pour out some of his water and he would let the sheep drink out of that cup. He'd be generous because they, he knew that they needed to have something for the journey. And when I when I first discovered that, I thought to myself, well, it sounds a lot like communion. Sounds a lot like communion. See, it also means sometimes a dinner host uh, in, in Jesus' day, they would serve drinks with cups filled to the brim. And then I got to think, wow, that kind of reminds me of the wedding at Cana. They had, it wasn't that, eh, we can make a little more wine. No, it was this overflowing uh, Ephesians. Paul writes to the, the Christians there and he says, Now to him who is able to do what? Far more abundantly than we can ask or even think about. And at the end of verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely. That's an emphatic Hebrew word here. And the word follow, it literally means he's going to pursue us. He's going to chase after us. This is where I want you to take a look at something. This is uh, Chad Bird is a guy who does a lot of work in the Hebrew. But I, I thought this is really interesting. This is how he does this. You see the Hebrew character at the top. In the Hebrew of Psalm 23, goodness and mercy do not follow us all the days of our lives. The translation is far too bloodless for the verb radaf. It means chase after or pursue. The goodness and the mercy of God don't follow us like a good little puppy dog. They gallop up after us like a celestial stallion. Stallion. They chase us down labyrinth paths like the hound of heaven. They stay hot on our heels. The goodness and mercy of our shepherd roteth us all the way to heaven's gate and into the arms of our Father. Mm -hmm. Aren't you God glad that God chases after you with his goodness? See, we're also recipients of mercy. We're not receiving what we actually do deserve. God's goodness and mercy led Jesus all the way to the cross, where the shepherd died for every last one of us, all of his sheep. He's pursuing you right now to give you more than you need and certainly more than you or I deserve. Now, there's way number two. He prepares for us everything we're going to need forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, what does dwell mean? It means to settle down or to be at home with. And in, that's where we're going to be. Someday, that's what we got to look forward to. Now, in closing, I just had three little lamb lessons, I think, from this shepherd's psalm. Here, here's lamb lesson number one. Join the shepherd's flock. I think that would be a good thing for us to do. Join the shepherd's flock. Be a part of his flock. See, the Lord is always looking for lost sheep. Now, I'm looking at a bunch of lost sheep today. Somehow you wandered into the shepherd's pen today. It's good to be with the other sheep. See, when we stay close to the shepherd, when we stay close to where the word is, he makes sure that all of our needs are met. I don't know what frustrations you came in with this morning. I don't know what problems are plaguing you. I and mean, it could be everything from just, you know, missing your wife. Maybe some of you haven't been feeling good lately. Maybe you're a little frustrated with the job or, you know, Somebody knows I had computer problems the last couple of weeks. I couldn't edit anything. I couldn't write. I, whatever frustration has been there. Yeah, I, I was almost ready to commit my laptop to the Lord uh, by sacrificing it on a burnt off <laughs> altar. But then, you know, when I got to the final point, I said, God, I have no idea. I hounded Jimmy <laughs> off and on to try to get help. We tried a bunch of stuff. And I finally, for some reason, unplugged my wireless keyboard and my computer went back to normal. And I said, oh, man. I was momentarily angry. And all of a sudden, it was like, Barry, you've wasted a lot of time this week, haven't you? When all you had to do was unplug for a while. Wow. Do you need to do that? To unplug for a while, to recalibrate, to get back on track. And part of that is just being here. You all got stuff you could be doing this morning. I could have been home watching the Chiefs play on television. We all got stuff we can do. But the Lord's looking for lost sheep. And that's why we're working with Cam. That's why we had the trunk or treat here. Because there are a bunch of lost sheep around here. And when we stay close to the shepherd, he makes sure every last one of our needs is met. Now, understand, it's our needs our needs, and not our greeds. It's whatever he wants for us to have, not what we want. And the other thing is just stay close to the shepherd. And sheep that stay close to the shepherd reach the water and the grass first. How do you stay close to the shepherd? Well, it's in the word. It's in song. It's in worship. In communion. All kinds of ways to stay close to the shepherd. The third thing is just follow wherever he leads. See, the shepherd has a plan. And he has a plan for each and every one of us. And he wants to lead us in these paths of righteousness. I'm going to end by just relating a quick story. One of the inmates down in prison. I learned this from him a long time ago. He uh, told me, Doc, I got a surprise for you tomorrow. I'm making a t shirt. And I said, For me? He goes, No. <laughs> he said, I just got this special t shirt. I'm going to start making it. If it becomes popular, I'm going to make a bunch of them in prison. I said, Go for it. So he comes in with this white t shirt, homemade, and written on the front of it says, Your way, Yahweh. <laughs> I love that. Your way, Yahweh. So I'd end up today by simply saying, Can you say my way is your way? I hope so.